Good morning and welcome to MCC Tampa. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. My name is Reverend Jacob and it is a beautiful day to be at church in our own homes. If you are new to our community and haven't gotten a chance to connect with us yet, we would love to know who you are, where you're watching from. You're of course welcome to comment in the comment section on this video, but if you'd like to engage with us a little bit more, please send us an email at churchoffice at mcctampa.com. And we will connect with you. We can add you to the newsletter so that you know all of the things that are happening in the life of our church. Of course, everyone, although we have moved to the YouTube format, we are still hoping that you will get your phone out and take a selfie and post that on Facebook with the hashtag selfies in service and the hashtag we are MCC Tampa. Welcome to MCC Tampa. I am so grateful that you are here with us this morning. Let's pray. Loving God, as we journey into Easter tide, we thank you for all of the ways that you teach us about resurrection. All of the ways that you teach us about new life about a new normal, about all the things that we need through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now will you join us in our call to worship? When love was prized above all else, evil's power was threatened. The body of God was battered and bruised. Great violence was done with hopes of scattering the faithful. We remember and we bear witness to the wounds of God. In the wake of the empire's attack, when hearts were shattered and all hope seemed lost. Still, an ember of life remained, waiting to be kindled. There would be a rising again. We remember and we bear witness to the power of resurrection. Time and time again, the faithful have endured the strikes of evil's hand. But their labors of love persisted. The hope of God has remained alive through the community of saints. We remember and we bear witness with gratitude. Blessed are those who believe. God is still with us. Thanks be to God. May our lives be your witness. Amen. Kids, kids from our Little Saints Academy, I miss having you here, but I want to tell you a little bit about doubt. I want you to think about something that someone told you and you thought, this is too good to be true. What does it take to convince you of something? What does it take to convince you that a good thing is true? Have you ever been given a surprise and you were a little bit scared? So you thought, is this real? Is this something that I can trust? Can I trust that I'm allowed to get excited about this? Have you ever had something really exciting that you're anticipating? and you're sort of thinking, maybe it won't happen. 
Have you ever gotten to go on a trip and you're so excited, but then you doubt that it's going to be exactly what you want? Doubt is important. Doubt is the thing that protects us from being disappointed. And the amazing thing about doubt is that sometimes we doubt things. We doubt that we're going to get what we want. We doubt that we're going to get to do what we want or see what we want to see. And then when it does happen, it's so exciting. Sometimes doubt is what keeps us safe. If we doubt a situation is good for us, we know that it's time to take a step back and rethink. And other times, we wonder if doubt is okay. I assure you that it is okay to have doubt. It is okay to think, do I believe this? It's even okay to ask questions about God. It's okay to not understand the stories you hear from the Bible or that you hear in church. It's okay to have doubt because in our doubt is where our faith grows stronger. I love that all of you ask great questions. I can't wait to have you back here with me, and I have no doubt that we will be together again in this space. And I can hear your questions and answer them in real time. I'm so grateful for your parents who have reached out in this time. Please keep connecting with us. And little saints, know that if you want to connect with me, if you have questions, if you want to talk to me, we can get on the phone, we can get on the computer, we can have this time together. But in this moment, if you're experiencing doubt, know that that is just because seeds have been planted and your faith is growing. Amen. Good morning, MCC. Welcome. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us online at home in your jammies. But we still invite you to stand up, raise your hands to the Lord, clap and sing and dance because we are joyful in this Easter season. Let us celebrate Jesus.
Now please join me in the prayers of the people. Loving God, we join together virtually as a congregation and raise our hearts to you. We're thankful for the many opportunities you've given us to reach out to our community and to minister to those that may not have even been to our church before. Be with us in our efforts. Help us to remember each day that we are doing your work and spreading your message of love and inclusion. God, we pray for our personal friends and acquaintances who are now fighting the COVID virus raging through their body. Be with them and their caregivers. Touch their bodies, enabling them to better fight this illness. Give their caregivers strength and wisdom. We ask for your grace and your mercy, O oh God. God, we also pray for people who are in the middle of troubling family issues that were magnified by this current situation. We pray that you be present, guide them in their choices and their interactions, and help them come to positive resolutions to all of these challenges. And then God, I also pray for those of us that are dealing with renewed challenges to our faith, our focus, and our recovery. The confinement and lack of support brought about by this pandemic have greatly magnified our focus on the problems and issues of our past, and they trigger us to succumb to our addictions and weaknesses. Loving parent God, we humbly ask that you let us see your loving face in a new way, smiling and shining on us as your truly beloved children. Be merciful to us. Help us open our hearts to your healing love once again. Give us renewed strength and focus. Surround us with your peace so that we can rebuild our faith, reclaim our place in recovery, and reaffirm our commitment to serve you. Also this morning, loving God, I want to lift up all of us who have our unspoken prayers. So often we have issues and concerns that we want to bring to you, but we think that they're too small or we don't know how to talk to you. Let us know that we can speak to you like a friend. We can speak to you in music. We can write out our prayers and that you hear us and you even hear us when all we can do is hang our head and cry. Lord, be with those who are really struggling that are not sure how to reach out to you. Let them know that you are there and that you will meet them in the space of their choosing, that you are always there. Be with us now as we also celebrate the many joys and happinesses that are happening. I know that there are people who are getting new jobs and people who are still continuing to work. Be with us as we start to feel restlessness, as there's talk of opening up the country again. Give us patience, give us wisdom to know what is best for us to keep us happy and safe and healthy. Let us know that we are still here and we are still with you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Good morning. My name is Ray Sims, and our first reading is the 16th Psalm. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to God, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You are my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless God who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep God always before me. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm Kevin Clark, and today's second reading is from the Gospel of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the religious authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Creator has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, 
which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence here, even in our time of isolation. We thank you for your presence, knowing that in that we find joy. We find joy in our alone spaces. We find joy in you, God. Amen. As the psalmist told us, in God's presence, there is a fullness of joy. The disciples were hiding. In this time, right after the crucifixion, the tomb was empty, but the disciples were hiding. They were locked away, fearing the religious authorities, hidden in isolation, behind a locked door, this passage has new meaning to many of us today. We hear this passage every year after Easter, and now I think we can hear it with new ears. They locked themselves away because they were afraid. They locked themselves away because they were fearful of a religious authority who would come in and kill them. We know what it feels like to lock ourselves away in fear. Now, we're not hiding from a religious authority, but we are hiding from something. We are sheltering from something. We are locking our doors. We're staying huddled together with our immediate family. Some of us are, are, are alone in this isolation time, and we are afraid. We can relate to the disciples in a new way. And the experiences we are having right now can help us to understand what this time must have been like. In the early days of our epidemic, believe it or not, only a few weeks ago, things felt different. And now that we have been hunkered down for a while, many of us not leaving our houses much at all, or if at all. The narrative has shifted slightly. And in the early days, we were saying, when this is all over, we are going to come rushing back, and we are going to show up, and we are going to hug each other. And the reality is that this is going to go on for a while, and we're facing a new normal. There won't be just one day that we all can safely come out of our homes. And we are grieving that. Some of us are angry. Some of us are upset. Some of us are disappointed. Some of us are bored and think the others are overreacting. And everything we are feeling is legitimate. We are anticipating a new normal. And we are anticipating grief that is to come. I want you to sit in that space. In the room that you're in right now that you are probably very tired of with people who you love more than anything in the world who you also might be tired of. 
Or maybe you're alone and you are craving human touch and connection. Sit in that place and think about this beloved community of Jesus who lived through the trauma of what happened to him. Think about them in a new way. Imagine them there for days without all of the modern conveniences that we have locked in a room together. And let's not underestimate the shared trauma that they have experienced. This is a group of people who are scared and unhappy and have lived through something together. They journeyed with Jesus and then they watched him die. And what complicates their trauma is that they often made mistakes. They often said the wrong thing. He said, stay awake, and they fell asleep. One of them betrayed him and then died by suicide. Others denied him. They carried so much complexity into this room hidden away behind locked doors, frustrated and uncomfortable. You know, probably one of them ate all the snacks and didn't think of, of their siblings in that space who needed the food. You know, one of them probably had like super smelly feet or indigestion, probably the one that ate the snacks. This was not a comfortable place. This was human bodies in, their, in all of their, their brokenness and all of their tiredness in this space terrified? Do we know these spaces in a new way now? And so when Jesus appeared and Jesus came through that locked door and Jesus was there with them, what did he say to them? Peace be with you. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus was able to get inside. Jesus came through literal walls that they hid behind and joined them. And after everything he had endured, was he angry at them? Did he rebuke them for their behavior or even for their fear? No, peace be with you. He did not come to lecture or scold. He came to bring his loving, peaceful presence. He came in and he breathed on them. He breathed on them. What an amazing thing. Jesus, who had died, came in and breathed on them. Isn't it an amazing thing to us today where we are being told to be scared of each other's breathing? Where we are listening to stories and reading stories online, documenting people who cannot breathe. Jesus breathed on them. Here's the thing about resurrection. Here's the thing that we are coming to learn right now about resurrection. We always think about resurrection as the happy conclusion. We think of resurrection as the thing that comes after the trauma has ended. But if the trauma were truly over, if it had really ended, would we even need the renewal that resurrection brings? That's not how trauma works. 
What we know about trauma is that it does not end when the horrible thing ends. I want you to give yourself some compassion right now. And maybe you're not feeling the trauma, but trust me, others are feeling it. Others are losing people right now. There is trauma that is happening right now. And like this beloved community of Jesus locked behind closed doors, we can't get everything that we need. We are hiding and staying safe, and we need to do that. And yet Jesus finds the way in. Remember this, my beloved church family. When bad things have passed, our bodies carry trauma. If you are exhausted and can't manage to get all the, the things done that are the requirements of your work-from-home schedule, you're experiencing trauma. If you're working outside the home, you are experiencing trauma. If your Facebook feed is full of people who are dying or whose parents or grandparents or friends have died, you are experiencing trauma. You might be exhausted because you are traumatized. And in that place, we can relate to the disciples. Trauma owns us. If you have ever experienced something traumatic, you know that trauma owns us afterwards. If you have survived a trauma, people have probably said to you things like, move on, it's okay now. Why aren't you over it? The reason why we're not over it after something bad happens to us is that it is written on our bodies. It is inside of us. Remember this. When we start feeling ourselves pushed to a new normal. Remember this as we regret that the new normal doesn't feel so normal. Trauma is written on our bodies. If you know fear, if you know loss, if you know what three o'clock in the morning feels like when you're awake and your heart is racing and you tell yourself, I know I'm safe, but it doesn't feel safe because trauma is inside of you, then you can understand this passage. And if you have ever missed out on something, missed out on something amazing, if you are lamenting what you're missing right now, then you can probably relate to Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas missed it. And every year, the Sunday after Easter, we give Thomas a hard time. Where was Thomas? Thomas wasn't out having a good time, chances are that he was the one in the midst of huddling together to stay safe who had to go out and get some supplies. Maybe Thomas was in line at Walmart, waiting to buy hand sanitizer, hoping for toilet paper, discounted Easter candy. Maybe that's where Thomas was. Thomas comes back to the safety of this locked room, and when he comes back in, what do his siblings, his community, what do they tell him? After he had stepped out, no longer isolating with them, he comes back and he cannot believe what they said happened. 
I don't blame him. I don't blame him for rejecting it. I don't blame him for wanting nothing more than what the others had gotten. And then days go by. A week goes by. Of course, Thomas doesn't believe it. They've seen the risen Christ and they haven't done anything. They haven't left the safety of their room. Of course, he doesn't believe. And what is it that Thomas says? What is it that he tells them? I, does he say, I won't believe it until Jesus turns this water into wine? Did he look around and say, oh yeah, Jesus was here. Where's all the wine? Did he look at, at one of his beloveds in this room and see that they were sick and they'd been sick before and they're still not feeling well? Well, why didn't Jesus heal you if he was here? He doesn't ask for the miracles that he knows. No, Thomas wouldn't believe that Jesus was really there until he sees and touches Jesus's wounds. I can't believe in my place of pain, Thomas says, until I reach out and touch Jesus's pain. Thomas understands trauma and Thomas cannot see past his trauma. Haven't we been there in our lives? Aren't many of us there right now? Aren't many of us there not believing the things we hear, hoping that the messages are wrong, saying this isn't happening, the thing around us isn't happening, it's not that big of a deal, this isn't real, I can't touch it, I can't feel it. We understand Thomas. Thomas has to touch the brokenness. If you know trauma, you know Thomas. Thomas isn't broken by having doubt. Thomas is strengthened by it. Thomas states what he needs. How hard is it? Isn't it incredibly hard to say, this is what I need in my place of trauma? Are you having trouble asking for what you need right now? Then you understand Thomas. Over the centuries, people have said that he's doubting Thomas and he lacks faith. I love Thomas and his faith. I love that he states what he needs. I love that his pain is so real and written on his body that he has to see it written on Jesus' body. And why? When Jesus came back, when Jesus experienced resurrection, why was his body still wounded if not to teach us that resurrection isn't the one moment that makes it all okay? Resurrection is the beginning of the journey when even our Savior needs healing. When there are wounds on the body of Christ, we can look around at the body of Christ in this world, which is all of us, and say, we are wounded. Our wounds are real. This is how we bear witness to the miracle of resurrection, not by pretending that it's okay, not by expecting for this to be okay. It is by saying, I am scared and hurting, and I am not okay. Remember that, beloveds, as we get pushed back to normal. How do we bear witness when this is over? How do we bear witness when we have been taught over weeks to fear each other? 
My husband works in a medical office. And yesterday I did exactly what I have done every single day for more than seven years. When he walks in the door, I kissed him before he had been decontaminated. This trauma on our bodies of distrusting the most familiar is real. Let's not underestimate what others are experiencing today. Don't underestimate what you are experiencing today. In the enfleshed resources they write, some of us are tucked away in comfortable homes with beloveds, some alone now weeks without touch. Some in jail cells and detention centers where the things to fear are already inside. Some in not so comfortable houses where families are falling apart from the stresses of finances. Parents are anti-queer or anti-trans, spouses are violent, or the asks of working from home have become far too demanding. What are we missing out on in this? Let's hold each other even though we are being told we can't hold each other in person. Let's trust each other. Let's trust each other's wounds, that they are real. I invite you to sometimes step away from the social media. I invite you to find wholeness where you can. I invite you to stay inside even though you're tired of it. My Facebook feed is full of people with fun games, which I enjoy, people posting reflections from time of solitude. My Facebook feed is also full of people documenting sickness. My Facebook feed is full of people lamenting death and full of people who also are so tired of this ready to escape, doubting that it is real. All of this is legitimate. However you are feeling is legitimate. If you're ready for resurrection to come, I promise you resurrection is here. This is what resurrection looks like. Not perfect, not shiny, not a lot of hugging as we had anticipated it would be. We are here with the wounds of Christ. We are here with our doubt. We are here with each other in new ways. I love you in the new normal, just like I loved you before. Come love with us in whatever way you know how, and trust that whatever you are doing in this time is beautiful, it is good enough, and you are loved by Jesus. Amen. Hi, I'm Brian Parker. I'm a member of the Board of Directors here at MCC Tampa, and I'm here to do the call to offering. As I often say, the uh, call to offering is a time of thanksgiving, so I do want to um, take this moment to express a few uh, moments of gratitude, first and foremost, to all of you who have tuned in, who are watching, and those of you who continue to support this church. Um, you know, you're sending in your checks, you're, you've set up and donated online, you are texting to give, 
there's all these great new ways that you can continue to support the church financially. And as a board member, somebody who you've entrusted um, to, to uh, be a steward of this church and the finances, I want to say thank you because it's one less thing that I have to worry about <laughs> during this time. Um, that's not to say that we're, we're swimming in a you know, pool of uh, extreme wealth because we're not. We, we're, we're, we're doing what everybody else is doing. We're making it day by day, budget by budget, but we're making it. And that's the good news. The second thing I want to let you know is, um, you know, we have not had to make financial decisions to cut payroll, to cut staff, to, to do anything like that, um, which is remarkable because many churches have, which leads me to the other thing that I'm so grateful for. I am grateful, and I hope you are too, and you extend your thanks to our pastor and his family. They have been remarkable during this time. Our pastor's husband, Alan, is the one that's putting together these videos. He spends hours each week collecting the clips from around the congregation and putting them together. Um, I, I'm so grateful for our pastor, Jacob, as he has um, just taken on this leadership role of, of really guiding this community through this time. And I'm grateful for his children because they're stuck at home with him. And I know what it's like to be working at home all day. I can't imagine what it would be like working at home all day with two teenagers and um, having them, you know, be quiet and go over here and go over there. They're great kids. They make little appearances every once in a while on our Zoom call. So again, so grateful for all of you and please extend and continue to extend your thanks and your gratitude to our pastor and his family. So I chose to do the call offering today in this room because uh, behind me is a collection of hands that my husband collects, hand figurines. And, you know, thinking of today's scripture, what we we talk about Jesus and Thomas and Thomas wanting to confirm that Jesus is who he is and he can't do it until he touches his hands. And I, I keep thinking about the role that hands play, especially during this time. Um, many years ago, I, I read an article and I've, I've kept this philosophy and, and this practice. I read an article that said, you know, um, during times when you're stressed, pay attention to the position of your hands. And you'll oftentimes find if you're feeling stressed, if you're lying in bed and you can't fall asleep, you'll find that your hands are clenched. And it, when you recognize that, the recommendation is just to open up and stretch those hands really big. And, and I, I do that. And I'm finding myself even throughout the day while I'm on my computer, I'm still working from home, I'll find that I have one hand starting to clutch up and I have to remind myself to open that hand. When you think about this time and the importance of hands, and you think about the hands of the grocery clerk, the butcher, the produce picker, the mechanic, the sanitation worker, the delivery person, our doctors, our nurses, people at the other end of the receiver on a call when somebody is stressed and needing help, the volunteers delivering food, each and every time they do that, we're confirming it's the hands of Jesus. So today, as you approach your time and thoughts of giving, I encourage you to open your hands so that you may give fully and freely and also receive. 
Thank you.
It was on a night when Jesus was gathered with his friends and his family that he took bread and he blessed it and gave thanks for it and passed it to each and every one of them saying, take this all of you and eat of it. For this is my body which will be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks and blessing it, he passed it to each and every one of them, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink of it, for this is my life, my love, my passion, my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many. When you eat this bread and drink of this cup, remember me. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for these simple elements of bread and wine. May they become for us the spiritual food that we need for our journey. We give you all the thanks and praise, O oh God, in Christ's name. Please join us in the prayer that Jesus first taught us. come to this table as a communion of the people of God to participate in this sacred meal, to find solace for our souls, to be fed by the wellspring of God's presence, and to connect in powerful ways to the divine, to be nourished by the spiritual food in this sacrament of praise and thanksgiving. For these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you 
and feed on him in your heart by faith and with thanksgiving. Loving God, we give you thanks for this meal, for what it has meant throughout the centuries and for what it means to us even today. With thanksgiving and praise, help us to take the inspiration and the hope the future brings as your people, as resurrection people, that we may take the peace and the wisdom from this meal and with radical love and welcome in our hearts, be a blessing to others. Amen.
We are God's hands and feet in this world. We are Christ's hands and feet in this world. Whatever we choose to do or choose not to do in this time, wherever we choose to go or choose not to go in this time, let it be something that honors Christ. Let it be something that honors resurrection. Amen.